Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Gathering all the information you would need to stay ahead of the curve on your crypto investments. Welcome to Thriller Rundown. gentlemen boys and girls around the world <laughs> gather around it's time for another exciting episode of thriller rundown today is august 27 2020 and we are talking liars ruling the world that's right if you haven't heard the federal reserve has pumped the inflation up another degree <laughs> that's right it's all here at the top of the rundown let's do it So as reported by us earlier this week <laughs> on Thriller Insights, it looks like Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell will be setting forth a new guideline by the central bank, by the Federal Reserve, more of a policy, actually, for average inflation targeting. So what that means, because you know how they like to twist and hide words, <laughs> that means it will allow inflation to run modernly, that's in quotes, above the Fed's 2% goal for some time, that's also in quotes, following periods when it has run below that objective. Uh, I don't know about that. We'll see. So the changes were codified in a policy blueprint called the Statement on Longer Run Goals and Monetary Policy Strategy. I'll put a link to that here in the show notes so that way you can click on it and read it. It's really boring, but ultimately it was first adopted here in 2012. And that was informed by the Fred's approach to interest rates in general, like economic growth. So with all that being discussed today, this morning, I think we, we can safely admit to ourselves, and this is... Well, actually, before we get to that, before before I get into that, because I want to give you my take on it. And I think this is an original take that no one's really taking this take on. Um, but before we do that, let's listen to Jerome Powell talk about or actually deliver what is basically um, just words that mean absolutely nothing to the American people uh, or to the rest of the world, for that matter. And uh, to me, it sounds like just more um, hiding behind what's actually really going on. Take a listen. Nonetheless, I'm pleased to say that the revised consensus statement was adopted today with the unanimous support of committee participants. We have not changed our view that a little run inflation rate, 2%, is most consistent with our mandate to promote both maximum employment and price stability. Our policy actions continue to depend on the economic outlook as well as the risks to the outlook. Our new statement explicitly acknowledges the challenge posed by the proximity of interest rates to the effective lower bound. By reducing our scope to support the economy by cutting interest rates, the lower bound increases downward risks to employment inflation. To counter these risks, we are prepared to use our full range of tools to support the economy. Our new statement indicates that we will seek to achieve inflation that averages 2% over time. Therefore, following periods when inflation has run below 
appropriate monetary policy will likely aim to achieve inflation moderately above 2% for some time. Of course, if excessive inflationary pressures were to build, or inflation expectations were to ratchet above levels consistent with our goal, would not hesitate to act. So they really think we're dumb. <laughs> you know, it, it really gets on my nerves. And, and let me start off. You know what? Fuck it. Story time. When I got into cryptocurrency and when I got into Bitcoin, this was the last thing I wanted to learn about. I had I did not want to learn about the Fed. I did not want to learn about central banks. I did not want to learn about MMT. I didn't want to learn about any of this stuff on the macro side. You know, quite frankly, I tried to avoid this the entire time uh, covering uh, crypto and Bitcoin. And so right now, by me having to talk about this is really frustrating for a number of reasons. Most importantly, it's frustrating because they're going to continue to increase inflation. The way the world works is trickle-down economics, baby. And they love, they love to say trickle-down economics works for everybody. And round and round we go. I mean, it's complete, utter bullshit. to know how this stuff works as a curse. But in reality, it doesn't work for everybody because when they print this money, it goes to central banks and then it goes to people who are at the one to 2% level in, in, the, in society, right? I mean, that's what they're doing, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the worst. And the regular people around the world think that what you hear from the Wall Street Journal is what's really going on. The US dollar. US dollar. Who's the dollar? Economists have been predicting the decline of the US dollar for years. The dollar is about to become dethroned. Can the US dollar remain the global reserve currency? Absolutely not. So there's a very, very strong motivation for a lot of countries to move away from the dollar. Though the dollar's value has been slipping recently, the coronavirus pandemic has proven it's as powerful as it's ever been. Nearly 90% of all global foreign exchange trading involves U.S. dollars, and more than half of the world's reserve currency holdings are in U.S. dollars. No other currency even comes close. When the pandemic hit, there was a rush for cash. Crises are by definition times of great volatility, great uncertainty, and there is a sense that the U.S. is one of the safest places to be. This isn't the first crisis where people around the world have turned to the dollar. To understand how we got here, let's go back to New Hampshire in 1944. It was towards the end of World War II, and the U.S. got together its allies to work on an international monetary system. More than 700 representatives decided to make the U.S. dollar the world's official reserve currency. And this basically cemented the dollar as kind of the central uh, global currency from that point forward. Other countries linked their currencies to the U.S. dollar. Even after the official system broke down in the 70s, the dollar retained its influence. It's so widely used around the world today that even if the U.S. economy suffers, the value of the dollar typically won't take a massive hit. There's what's called network effects, that the value of the dollar as kind of a key global benchmark for the pricing of goods, the pricing of commodities, for lending, uh, the more people that use it, the more useful it is. 
That's important for people in countries where the local currency is almost entirely dependent on a fragile economy. Take Lebanon. The value of its local currency has plummeted in recent years along with its economy. Now, US dollars are in such high demand, it's almost impossible to get them from ATMs, which has created a black market for the American currency. Today, more than 60% of all foreign central bank reserves and nearly 50% of the world's debt is in US dollars. For companies and investors, holding assets in dollars, such as treasury bonds, is seen as safe because the US is the world's biggest economy and the US central bank is seen as a trustworthy institution. Just look at what happened during the 2008 financial crisis. The Fed lent out US dollars to other countries through one of the tools in its kit called swap lines. Essentially, the Fed gives another country's central bank, say Japan, a loan in US dollars. The Japanese central bank gives the US some yen in exchange. When the loan period's over, the two countries swap their currencies back and the US collects some interest. By April, the Fed had lent nearly half a trillion dollars to central banks around the world. That number's come back down, but at its peak, the Fed's most recent currency swaps almost rivaled those of the Great Recession. The dollar's dominance gives the US a lot of political power, like through sanctions. Since everybody uses dollars, the US can apply pressure on companies or banks from working with anyone who's a sanctioned entity, like a company from Iran or Russia. So they failed to mention probably the single most important thing out of all of that. Who controls the money printing? <laughs> it's the Federal Reserve, right? And like I said, they're not going to be doing direct injection into the middle class or into small businesses or medium sized businesses. Right. That all goes through fiscal policy. So to me, it's not a surprise that when they announced this, the yield on 10 year treasuries rose six basis points. Right. S&P 500 contracts opened flat. But after the gauge earlier, reached an all time high for a fifth day in a row. <laughs> I mean, this is what are we doing here, dude? Like what, what the hell is going on? But if you look on the Bitcoin side of things, Fidelity Investments has filed for a new Bitcoin index fund. That's according to SEC documents. We know what Fidelity is, right? One of the five biggest conglomerate financial conglomerates in the world. They've sat down, taken a chair in this musical, musical chairs of Bitcoins. Still waiting on Vanguard, still waiting on BlackRock. We'll see. You got back futures volume up on institutional trading. You know, they rose to 134 million on Tuesday, all from accredited investors, whatever that means these days. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, it's obvious. It's completely obvious to me. It was, I mean, we kind of speculated before and we talked about it before on past episodes. But to me, what was stated today by Jerome Powell and his crew at the Fed is that they're going to inflate the U.S. debt away. They have too much debt. We either default or we inflate it away. Today, they chose to inflate it away. They're going to reassess what they're calling average inflation targeting, in quotations. They're going to talk about that from five years from now. Yeah, it's a five-year problem now. Let's knock it down the road. Five years, we'll, we'll look at it again. <laughs> I mean... Anything above 2% inflation is fine with me. So what does this mean for the average individual? Well, if you're an average individual like myself, I don't know. I think I might hit up a loan officer and see if I can buy another house. Why do you say that, Car? Well, because debt is so cheap right now. In the future, 
you know, that is going to be absolutely bonkers. The price of this house purchase will go up 20 fold, you know, in a small enough time period that it's going to be paying back pennies on the dollar. That's how I look at it. So we're going to be headed to this real estate market where you're going to see everything start rising really, really fast. You're going to start seeing loans getting, you know, amped out over and over and over and over again. And we're kind of going to lead out into another bubble. Right. But this time it's going to be a debt bubble. And then what does that look like? Right. Does Jerome Powell and the Fed have a, have a plan to fix that? No, they don't, because it's not their responsibility to fix that. Their responsibility is either to raise the lever on printing or pull the lever back on printing. That's literally their whole job. They can either go up on printing or no on printing. More burr or less burr. It's ridiculous. They're going to inflate the United States debt away until there's a debt bubble. It crashes. And then what do we do then? Well, I know me personally, I'm going to be investing more into Bitcoin. So now when I have my savings that I pull from my check every couple weeks, nope, that's going to Bitcoin. <laughs> Why am I going to leave it in United States fiat if it's not going to do anything? Right. What's going to stop the average American out there to increase their debt ratio to their income ratio? The average is roughly around 30%, right? What you what you uh, can allow as debt to what you have bringing in as income, right? 30% is what they say. What's stopping them? What's going to stop somebody from going 70% now? I mean, technically, if they have a good enough job and they make enough money and it's going to keep rising every year because of inflation, you would think their salary would rise every year. Technically, it's going to be easy paying back you know, a $150,000 house, right? I mean, what are we doing here, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know, but that's all we got. Let's jump into five good minutes. You know, it's not all bad news today. <laughs> I know that that top of the rundown is a little harsh to hear, but yeah, it's not all bad news today. Uh, we're talking USD coin here on uh, Five Good Minutes, and you're probably like, "Car, what are we talking about? USD? More USD? Who are you going to get to talking about Bitcoin?" Yeah, sometimes you got to talk about this other stuff. All right, Five Good Minutes on this. So it turns out that the United States digital currency, USDC. And this is a joint venture, right? You know, Circle did it with uh, Coinbase. And actually, I don't know if you all have used USDC, but it actually works really well. Like, I'm really impressed, you know, transacting the USDC. It works really flawlessly. And Compound will lend it out to you through DeFi. And it's, it's an awesome thing uh, just by staking a little 0x. Anyway, it's for another day. But today they've upgraded it. Yeah, they've upgraded it to USDC 2.0. And what this upgrade does is it removes gas fees. Thank you, <laughs> the Ethereum gods out there, because this allows us to transact on the Ethereum network and trade back and forth with USDC, but to not incur any, any gas. One of the major problems right now going on in Ethereum is 
you have uh, so many tokens, right, on a given wallet, you have to have Ethereum to transact most of these tokens. And for the most part, I mean, for a while there in July and, and early June, like I was just going through Ethereum like like nothing. I mean, I was spending close to like $70 a day. On good days, it would be like $35 a day. And that's just to transact. Um, it was pretty bad, right? And But you know, the, the only good thing about that is I was making tremendous gains. So I didn't mind that. But to me, it was just really annoying, you know? So what they're doing now is when you have a USDC 2.0 coin, and yes, it's backward compatible, um, you won't have to hold a balance of Ether to pay for those fees to settle transactions or by creating any type of uh, smart contract for that. So what you're going to be able to do is send gasless transactions. But you're probably wondering, well, Car, did they upgrade Ethereum? <laughs> how, are they, how are they planning on doing this? Because somebody has to pay the gas. Well, technically, yeah, that's true because they didn't upgrade Ethereum. But this enables wallet developers to remove this complexity altogether. Um, you know, and that's one of the biggest problems with the user experience for Ethereum. And then also, this also gives, you know, the person who is in charge of that wallet to either deduct these fees as USDC, which kind of Abra wallet already does, surprisingly, or, um, you know, somebody else will pay for it, you know, another third party. Now, the experience of using United States digital currency and digital wallets will be much closer to like the mainstream mobile payment apps that we see every day, kind of like what we see with Square. But this is happening on chain, which is pretty freaking cool, if, <laughs> if you ask me. And then not only that, you can do smart contracts with it, which is also pretty cool. Um, and that's really the problem with Ethereum these days is the biggest problem for me with Ethereum is just that front end part of like how you can maneuver around it. Because somebody like us can really, you know, go the way of DeFi, know what to stake, know how much to stake and then know when to pull all that kind of stuff. But the, the average individual, they're not going to know any of this mess. Right. They're just going to know that they have one hundred dollars in USDC and that they have to pay for a movie ticket with $20, and they're not gonna know they need Ethereum to pay for that ticket. Uh, now they'll just be able to automatically get that removed from the United States digital currency that they're holding. So instead of it costing, you know, $1.35 to send that transaction, maybe it'll be $1.35, which is still pretty high in my opinion, uh, in USDC to send it. Uh, so it's, it's, it's all gonna work hypothetically on chain and yes it's a better thing but i still think we need to see further you know headway into the front end part of ethereum and that's kind of what's holding it back and then this whole fee thing <laughs> it should be close to you know you know less i mean less than 25 cents <laughs> right to send a transaction at least that's how i see it i think it for me personally i don't mind paying a dollar two dollars three dollars even seven dollars right i don't mind but for the average individual no way they're going to pay seven dollars uh you know a fee to transact it's just ridiculous for them um so they need to get it below a dollar or even better give below 25 cents and then that way you're you're only being charged like 10 15 cents to send a transaction but ultimately USDC is still the second largest stable coin by market cap, 1.4 billion. Um, this is another reason to stay away from Tether. <laughs> that bomb is coming soon. <laughs> All right, with that, let's get into the hard truth.
answers. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right. So today's hard truth is really hard to talk about because Shapeshift is, you know, is definitely a company I like. Uh, I do. I really like them. I think what uh, Eric Voorhees has done is taken that exchange and, and made a done a hell of a job, quite frankly. Uh, even their mobile apps coming together. It's, it's everything's looking good. So it really pains me to see this. And this is just another reason uh, to to be careful with leaving Bitcoin on exchange. So crypto exchange Shapeshift has sued its former senior engineer in Colorado Federal District Court for damages caused by his alleged theft of nine hundred thousand dollars in Bitcoin. That's right. So they had a guy who was working for him and it's all detailed in, in this court. Um dossier and i'll put a link to it here in the show notes uh, but it's getting reported from danny nelson at coindesk and basically what this guy did was he siphoned away 90 bitcoin from his employer over time just by using malicious code and programs um, and probably just sending them directly to his wallet um, and quite frankly like you know, you know what, what I do as a system administrator, you know, during the day, uh, you have a lot of responsibility uh, for the networks that you manage and you have to take that really seriously. And I'm lucky enough to where, you know, my stuff is being monitored um, by a secondary person who's above me. Uh, and we have, you know, certain um, kind of stop gaps in place for stuff like this, for this kind of measure. And so it, it pains me to see an exchange without similar stop gaps. Now, mind you, they did catch him. So that's good. And he did pay. He is on, on his way of paying them back, which is also good. Um, but to me, it it shows, if anything, uh, um, a, a problem with the character of the company as a whole. And the reason I say this, this is not a knock on Shapeshift, it's not a knock on on, on, on Eric, uh, but in, in reality, uh, when you work in an environment like this, uh, it starts at the top, right? And it starts at the top and it, it requires that person to make a mission statement, to have a, a code of ethics that people will follow and and roll with those guidelines and you have to vet these people really well and you have to understand like who the type of characters that you're letting into uh you know your 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 business uh so i i work with this stuff on a daily basis but it really is surprising to see this happen on an exchange uh in-house um, because who's who's supposed to be looking after what this guy's doing? Like, who's going back and checking after his work? You know, that is the most surprising thing. Like the fact that he got away with this for um, for multiple, you know, what it doesn't really say a months. It just says days. Um, they traced it within days, but it doesn't say how many months. It's surprise. It's actually shocking to me that uh, this went on and no one was able to clue it in together because shit gets bogged down, man. <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody's ever seen how this code runs, uh, but this shit gets bogged out, bro. And if you don't have alerts set for it, uh, we're lucky enough. And I'm not going to dive in too much to what I do on a daily day basis because I don't want to uh, get in trouble, quite frankly. But let's just say, hypothetically, they should have had alerts that started going off for this type of thing. So if alerts are going off, why are, why is it nobody addressing those alerts? 
quite frankly. And then if they don't have alerts going off, then why the hell don't they have uh, a threat security uh, system in place for that? Uh, and so that's scary. <laughs> so that's why I say all and like there, there would be a dozen more questions I would ask you know, shapeshift if I had the opportunity, but they'll never come on the podcast to talk about this stuff. And quite frankly, they can't because of the, of, the, of the whole jury and trial and stuff. But let I'm telling you, like there should have been a lot of different stop gaps there. And it, it's, it's sad to see this happen. And then, yeah, so down the line, uh, personally now I, I can't trust shapeshift. Like I'm not gonna, I have, I have an account with them. I have a, a you know, it sucks because I have like a freaking, uh, uh, freaking, um, what the hell is it called? My keep key. Now that's it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm not going to use them. Uh, and everything stays on the wallet. I'm not stupid. Yes, I know, but no, <laughs> I'm sorry. You get one chance with me as an exchange. And after that, I'm done. So yeah, shape shifts out for me. And, and, you know, and that's why I really don't recommend exchanges to y'all. I don't, I, I try to stay away from that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, if you listen to me talk on this podcast, you know, exactly probably what exchanges I use and I haven't been bashful about which ones that I do use and which ones I stay away from. But now shapeshift is on the list of staying away from, for me personally. Uh, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't get crypto from a company that's not doing the basics uh, when it comes to hiring and, and, and looking at character of the hires that you have, and then also doing the basics as far as stop gaps in your security. Uh, I'm sorry, like that's just, that's just, you know, ABC one, two, three kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I know I'm kind of harsh. I know I sound harsh, but that's just, you know, that's just how I was trained up. And that's just how I've always have always uh, looked at things. And it's just surprising to me because this is a freaking crypto exchange. It's not a Soho network. Like you're worth you're worth billions, bro. <laughs> millions, right? Like probably not billions, but at least millions. Uh, and you're what are we doing here? <laughs> like, yeah, it's not good. And I've seen the CSO uh, for Shapeshift go on stage at HoshoCon in 2018 and Las Vegas talk about security. What the hell's going on there? <laughs> right? Uh, we've covered that in the past. So it's really surprising to me because I listened to that guy guy go up on stage and start talking about all this stuff. So the fact that he was able to get swindled on this stuff, like what? Yeah, that's, this is too close to home in some ways. And maybe I should stop talking about it. But honestly, this is a hard truth. This is what this whole segment's for. But yeah, this just this shows a lot. This shows uh, this shows your your stripes uh, if you're a zebra. Uh, well, you're a fox in this one shapeshift, but still, like this shows everything. Uh, it's not a good look. Let's hope they um, you know they they move on to you know a more stable uh, um, you know group of people. I don't know, but this looks this looks really 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 bad here uh, for shapeshift. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of all I got. Um, just be careful out there with the exchange that you choose. That's all you can really do. Okay. Man, car, you're biting through the teeth today. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm getting pumped. I'm getting pumped. It blocked boom this weekend. That's right. We're gonna have uh, all sorts of episodes this weekend. Uh, this is where Carr learns how to be a maximalist. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, 
but yeah, we're going to do all sorts of episodes this weekend. Uh, look for that to punch out here through the subscription. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Get some cool information. You know, there's one thing when it comes to this this crazy crypto Bitcoin scene. Uh, you're just constantly going to be learning. You're constantly going to see mistakes. And it's okay sometimes, right? Everybody makes mistakes and everybody learns from them. Uh, the most important thing is just pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and uh, keep going, right? Uh, it's an ever-changing world, and it seems like it's going to be an ever-changing society as we keep moving towards this near... <laughs> inflation targeting <laughs> sounds like a halo move or something but seriously take care of yourselves take care of your families take care of number one make sure you guys are doing fine health wise financial wise and seriously invest in bitcoin and save the entire world seriously see you next time